starting in three, two, one. All right, we are starting episode six. The episode name is Condemned. And I am your host, the Daredevil Prophet. And we start off with Matt in trouble. No, not Matt. This is not Matt. We actually don't see Matt in this entire episode. Uh, we get nothing but the devil in the mask, the mask, um, whatever name they want to associate him, associate with him, the, the devil of Hell's Kitchen. We don't get Matt Murdock at all, so we don't get the lawyer diplomatic uh, side of him. Um, and this is a really great episode. It's very, very different from um, a lot of the episodes that have come before or after. Um, it's really kind of this sort of descent into uh, into him taking on uh, Vladimir right here and this is one of my favorite favorite parts right here when he gets shot in the leg and he just screams he's already in pain and you know you're just adding insult to injury now he's he he got shot and Daredevil's actually going to beat on him a little bit more right here um but poor Vladimir is just taking a beating right here um but the themes that are explored in this episode are really cool because you know the episode is called Condemned um it's kind of a uh uh, a, a literal nod to where they are. They're going to be in a condemned building for most of the episode, and also kind of the idea of literally being being condemned. Uh, this idea of being in purgatory, of just being in this low, low place for for uh, Vladimir and and for Daredevil here. Um, they're both going to go kind of head to head, um, but. You know, Vladimir is not the end-all, be-all. He's sort of the first boss fight uh, of the season. Um, but Daredevil is trying to make his way to the top. He's trying to get his way up to the kingpin of crime. Um, and we'll have a little interaction between those two. So a lot of great stuff um, that's going to be going on. It's a long, drawn-out. It's pretty much just one scene, one setting throughout the whole episode. Um, so it's going to be really cool to explore this. Uh, this opening always kind of reminds me of of uh, Johnny Depp in Sweeney Todd, like the opening for that movie to where they kind of have that music. Uh, they have like uh, some uh, bl like animated blood and a lot of grotesque things kind of come at coming at you at the, at the same time. Um, yeah, I mean, what if Tim Burton uh, kind of put uh, music to this? Or uh, or Danny Alfman, what what would that sound like? You know, it kind of sounds, um, like a little little crazy, little crazy to kind of think about that. But um, try not to think about it. You know, this is Daredevil. This is awesome. But Sweeney Todd is also awesome. All right, so here's a shot of Ben Urich. This is the first time that he's kind of putting the puzzle pieces that he knows together, kind of on a board here, um, using playing cards. Um, he's going to have Kingpin at the top, obviously represented by the King card. Um, and he's going to have a lot of uh, other high cards beneath that. But one of the interesting things that that's kind of funny is that you see the King here, and then they do the wide shot here where you see all Jacks underneath them. No Queens. No Queens. And that's, to me, kind of like a little nod to, you know, what if there's a woman in... Uh, in Kingpin's life, Ben Yurik is probably aware that uh, if the king has a queen, 
um, then that might be an Achilles heel or a way in. Um, and so that that's kind of interesting. And, and, um, and what's also kind of funny is he'll use another jack card uh, for Daredevil um, later on, which is kind of a nod uh, or a nod to like his dad, Jack Murdoch, which is actually kind of cool. Um, and just to kind of probe a little into this whole um, playing card uh, sort of layout that he has um, in the same episode, this is the episode where we see Ben with the playing cards. This is also the episode where it's believed that Bullseye is also in this episode masquerading as a sniper on the roof. Um, and we see the sniper open his bag and it looks like what appears to be an ace card. Um, so a lot of like little tidbits. I really feel like um, these showrunners know where they want to go um, a few seasons down the line. Um, we don't know if Kingpin uh, or Vincent D'Onofrio is going to be in the upcoming seasons, if he'll return for some of them or, or if he's going to be in all of them, um, or if he's just going to run things, you know, behind the scenes and just kind of be, um, kind of more of a, uh, a, a secondary character, uh, in seasons later on, um, to where he is the king. He is no doubtedly, uh, the king of New York, um, but he's also got his own ace up the sleeve, which will be these sort of uh, characters like Bullseye and like Electra that that they'll inevitably bring in in future seasons. Um, these sort of uh, uh, villains for hire, if you will. Um, and it's it's going to be really interesting to see if they become more of the stars of the show later on because um, they may be of higher importance to the showrunners to kind of exploit them and, and where they're coming from. Cause we know there, there's a guy controlling all of New York. Um, he's just talking about how he's, he, he pays the cops to, to be corrupt um, and to work for him as it'll play out throughout this entire episode. Um, but he may take a back seat later on. Um, I don't know that's just what I see in the cards. Um, so I don't know, uh, we'll see where that goes later on down the line. Um, but, uh, this is a really, really, um, uh, poignant scene, uh, of Blake and his partner. Um, they're gonna, they're gonna really hammer it in. Um, in, in the beginning we see a cop, uh, murder his partner, um, to, to cover up for everything here. Blake is doing the same, which every time I hear, Blake or C. Blake, you know, he's a cop, just uh, takes me back to The Dark Knight Rises. I'll just leave it there. But here Blake is, uh, you know, he's he's a bastard. He, he doesn't he doesn't care. Like he's completely bought in um, into the Kingpin's uh, system into, you know, and onto his payroll. And he's going to do whatever it takes to, to get his. Um, and that's kind of the strain that Kingpin puts on um, everyone in this city is uh, preying on um, them trying to protect their own uh, little corners uh, of the world or trying to protect their own lives. Um, they're forced to do a deal with the devil, um, not Daredevil, but uh, Kingpin. Um, and 
it's just this really interesting dynamic to where Daredevil has the chips stacked against him and he has to do uh, a lot. He has to go on this entire campaign of trying to overthrow the Kingpin. Um, and here is kind of where it starts. The The whole season kind of breaks down to where um, in this, in these first six episodes, uh, this sort of first half, it's really just dealing with the Russians, um, Kingpin's foot soldiers. Um, they're doing his dirty work. They're kind of enforcing the the underworld, um, and and they have the front with their with their taxi service. Um, Daredevil has uh, caught on to their scent first, um, and he's made his way to the top of that chain. And um, I really like his brand of justice in this episode, um, much, much like in a lot of the other episodes that he does, whenever he's stalking somebody and whenever he's preying on somebody, you know, he doesn't just beat the hell out of someone. He asks them questions first. He tries to get information for them, tries to get them to cooperate. Um, and then whatever state that they're in or however important they are to to him finding out what he wants to know that determines what kind of justice or how harsh um, he deals with uh, with his prey here and to me that's just incredibly interesting to kind of remember about this character Um, that's why he contrasts greatly with somebody like the Punisher who will uh, shoot first and ask questions later here, Daredevil is a vigilante. He is going down that dark road, and he is going to be a judge, jury, and executioner. Um, but he's not going to use that executioner uh, title unless he really sees fit. Um, I haven't really talked that much about his his black costume here, which is really really great. Um, but the, we do start to see a little bit of a progression here. The, the only one, the only thing that I really noticed from like maybe episode two to this one is that he's got like the elbow pads, um, and that's it, you know? So he's not really, he's still trying to stay, um, light, um, with, with his gear that he's using, um, and, and very thin, um, but there isn't that much progression um, with his black suit. Uh, here's a shot of the explosion, which I thought was always going to be big. Um, I want to talk about uh, Disney getting in the way of Daredevil. Is is Disney getting in the way in the way of Daredevil? That that's the question that I want to ask. Um, I remember reading that when Lucasfilm got bought by Disney. They canceled a game called 1313, which was a Star Wars game, um, because it was too dark. They wanted to take it into uh, a different direction, um, and now we're getting Battlefront. Um, similarly, the the TV show, the, the Clone Wars TV show is now uh, Rebels, um, to where Disney sort of started, or stopped everything about what they were doing currently, and they kind of started over again with their own brand. And I, I really don't hold out too much um, hope these days about Daredevil being in Civil War. Um, because I feel like those the movies of Marvel are going to be uh, 
controlled a lot more tightly by Mar uh, by Disney. Um, it's really going to be kind of that brand. And I feel like Netflix was a venue for Marvel to do something darker to where they could still use their logo. They could still have it be a part of the MCU. But I really feel like um, that they're trying to world build on Netflix for the darker characters. And I really don't anticipate there being too much crossover between the TV heroes and the movie heroes, um, which is, you know, we'll, we'll see with Civil War. Um, if Daredevil is in Civil War, which I've heard he may be, I've heard reports um, vaguely that he, you know, that that his somebody, either Charlie Cox or his stunt double was on set on, on the Civil War set. Um and then the report was taken down. I couldn't find it. I couldn't find any updates. I haven't heard about it since. Um, so, and and who knows? Who knows? Maybe they did film a scene with Daredevil, and it'll probably end up on the cutting room floor, and we'll probably never see that kind of footage. Um, who knows what's going to happen from uh, from now until uh, to the release of Civil War. Um, but I really feel like the focus really is toward world build on Netflix. Um, and that's why you have Madame Gal in Daredevil. And that's why you have a lot of um, like little nods here and there um, for what's to come. Um, so I, I would love to see him in the in the MCU on the big screen. Um, but he's doing just fine where he's at. And he's really excelling um, at what he's doing. Um, and what he excels at doing is uh, figuring out what's in the room and figuring out how to use a flare and figuring out how to keep a Russian alive with a flare. Yeah, that that wasn't in the bio uh, of what Matt could do, but apparently he can do it. So this, this is like really, again, I just feel bad for Vladimir. How much shit is he going to go through in this episode? And you've, you've seen this episode before. If not, you should watch it first before listening to this. He dies at the end. He meets a very, very um, unceremonious demise. Um, and it, it's it's a really cool victory for Daredevil. But it sucks for Vladimir because he basically got betrayed by the Kingpin and killed by the cops and tortured by Daredevil. Um, this is this is the episode that the showrunners were talking about um, when they were saying, "Hey, you're not really going to know if Daredevil is a good guy or a ba bad guy. You're going to feel very differently about him. Um, you're not going to know if he's the protagonist or if he's in the right." This is the episode that hammers that home because he's doing uh, questionable things, and, and also episode two as well. But he's torturing a guy um, for an entire episode, just about. And he has no uh, remorse that's apparent. Um, he's trying to get what he can get. But it's it's Matt being driven by justice and by wanting to, to, to climb up the ladder of who's in charge of all this stuff. Because... You know, it, it's sort of the idea of if the ends justify the means. And he figures, you know, if he gets what he can get out of Vladimir, 
um, and find out where uh, where Kingpin is, um, who he is, um, and all that stuff, that he can save a lot more lives that way. Um, this is a really cool shot. And this is a really cool scene, too. I love this, uh, the idea of them being in an abandoned building. It's completely run down. Um, it looks like it could be haunted by ghosts. And the way that it's shot, uh, the lighting is really, really great. Um, the lighting is really, really great in this particular episode because you have a lot of um, blacks, which you have in, in in every episode. But you have a lot of blues and like soft greens. Um, and then you have the signature yellow. Um, that seems to be the only illumination in, in a lot of these episodes. If it's not daylight, it's going to be yellow. Um, that that contrasts really well with the with the cool blues and the cool uh, uh, greens or, or the murky greens. Um, so and, and this is this is all uh, a nod to uh, Brian Michael Bendis's run. Um, if you've ever seen uh, the art in his books, um, they're very very um, gritty. A lot of uh, a lot of cross hatching. A lot of um, a lot of lines, a lot of shading, um, and, and they seem to capture really well here. Um, it also makes uh, the things that we question, uh, it, it makes them look better. You know, if we seen Daredevil's costume in broad daylight, it may come off a lot differently. If we seen Daredevil's uh, red costume at the final episode, um, it may look really differently. Um, this is a great shot. This is also in 4K. I have not had an episode to, or I have not had a chance to see any episodes in 4K, um, but I've seen what 4K is capable of, and I'd be really excited to see this in 4K, which it is. So if you have a 4K or planning on buying a 4K TV uh, pretty soon, watch this. I'm sure it's amazing, especially this episode with the spotlight going on, uh, going over the building there. Um, one of my favorite shots. Um, just really, really. You can really tell that it was shot on location. Um, there's very little um, aesthetic that's added or uh, enhancements. Um, it's very much what you see is what you get. Um, and so I, I'd be really interested to see this. Ben Yurik, um great, great um, entrance here. Uh, he knows that he's about to be a dick to these guys, a pain in their ass. Um, maybe all the way up their ass. Who knows? Um who knows how lodged in there he is uh, uh, far up their asses but um but he's enjoying it and he's holding these guys accountable and um and, and he knows more than he's telling um there he goes he's saying uh Blake's telling him that he's being a pain in the ass um Ben Yurik, it, it takes a lot of joy in doing this investigative work um, which is why he couldn't resist trying to take down the kingpin, um, especially when Karen asks for his assistance. Um, there's just nothing that's going to prime away from what he's going to do. Um, I mean, like as far as Karen, I, I see Karen taking on kind of that Ben York role in the future uh, seasons. Uh, I think that she's going to investigate crime the same way that Ben York did. Um, and she's also going to be uh, investigating who 
Daredevil is, what's his identity, I feel like that'll put a, a little bit of a strain on maybe their relationship. Um, and in the process, she'll get herself in trouble with uh, the uh, crime of the underworld. And also, again, that strain with Daredevil. So I think she'll always be in kind of like this disjointed um, place. Uh, she'll never uh, fully uh, be able to be comfortable around uh, anybody, uh, whether it be her friends or her enemies. Uh, so we'll see, we'll see where that goes with her. Um, they've made her an interesting character so far in this season and I can't wait to do, uh, I can't wait to see what they're going to do with her in the future seasons. Uh, like I said, this, this is sort of the end of the first half of the season. Uh, season seven is kind of like that middle episode to where we get like a one-off episode to where we get to explore a lot of crazy shit man like we get to see stick in the next episode we get to see uh the hand at work um we get to see uh black sky this mysterious uh, uh thing it's not a person it is a person um this will go uh, a lot deeper into uh, uh, matt's trainer his former trainer stick and uh, we'll also dive back into some things that happened uh, when he was a child. Um, so we have kind of like that one-off episode with Stick. Um, and then kind of after that in episode eight begins sort of the kingpin half of it to where, you know, the first half here is really the Russians. Second half is really uh, kingpin and kind of the people um, that are in his that are in Daredevil's way up to Kingpin. Um, but they they don't last nearly as long as the Russians do. The Russians have lasted for six episodes uh, and have caused hell for, for, uh, for Daredevil. Um, so that's kind of really how the season breaks down. Um, and I think we'll kind of see something similar next season to where we'll have maybe one or two episodes that kind of... Uh, again world build for the future maybe not necessarily for other uh shows jessica jones iron fist uh, uh and uh jessica jones uh, luke cage uh, but stuff that's going to happen later on down the road uh for daredevil specifically um and then how that filters into the other episodes or possibly into defenders uh in the future um, so like I said, this is the future, or this is the first, uh, uh, boss for, for Daredevil. If this was a video game, this would be the first boss. This would be the first level. Um, but it, it's, it's really great how long sort of this investigation goes on between them. Um, you know, Daredevil knows that Vladimir has, has been through shit. He's had his brother killed. Um, but Vladimir is so hard-headed and so stubborn um, and he's so set in his ways he feels like there's uh, he, he really does feel like he's trapped he really does feel like there is no way out even when they have a chance to escape um, he doesn't really feel like he'll escape for long um, and he's already kind of mentally um, dead he, he's already given up uh, the, the the way that the way that he um, 
just kind of just doesn't care, just wants to just go to sleep and just die, um, you know, right in uh, Daredevil's presence here. Um, but he doesn't want to go out like a bitch. He doesn't want to go out um, and not cause um, some, own, some of his own damage along the way. Um, so he is uh, leveling with Daredevil. Um, he is uh, coming up to his level and he is giving him a little information um, because he's mentally strained and because he's in a position of vulnerability um, and he doesn't know how, how he's going to recover from this or if he's going to recover from this. Um, so the, the fact that Daredevil is, um, investigating him for so long and is keeping him alive for so long, um, that's what creates a lot of tension and a lot of cool drama between these guys. Um, and this is a very public episode. The, the whole, the whole world is watching this. It's on live broadcast. Um, uh, the cops are there. Reporters are there. Um, this is a very public event. Um, and I always thought that this was going to be something that was going to um, be felt um, in future seasons or in some of the other shows uh, because four buildings blew up. I mean, that's huge. Um, but this is something that draws the kingpin out in certain ways and draws Daredevil out in certain ways as well. This is their coming out party. Before, it's always sort of been in the shadows amongst them. Um, but now this is a public matter. Uh, it's in the public consciousness, uh, in the public awareness. And it's, it's really interesting to see these uh, opposing characters um, come to one place to witness an event and have them play off each other the way that they do um, for not it's not life or death for for everyone involved um, but it certainly is uh, an interesting sort of like play um, to where you just have one one locale one location and you have a lot of these these things sort of uh, play out which is really great all right, so if you follow me on Twitter, my Twitter name is at Ultranova05. If you follow me on Twitter, I've been talking a lot about this interview that I nabbed uh, with a guy named Paul Toms. Paul Toms is a guy that comes from the UK, and he's involved in spray art. Uh, you can catch his spray art on Etsy.com. His profile name there is Tomsy Spray Art, uh, or you can catch him on Twitter as well which is at tomz79 t-o-m-s-y-79 i connected an interview uh with him about the the daredevil piece that he did if you have not seen this um go look at his page uh, go find it it's really great it says world on fire on the top um and we just had building explode uh uh, in the last episode, we had the world on fire, um, which was the last episode. And so I thought it was really great to see uh, just sort of average people or people that have um, talents sort of be able to put uh, their talents to use uh, for for the sake of Daredevil. 
Um, and it's really great. I interviewed him about the piece that he did. Um, and I've been doing a lot of tidbits on Twitter. Um, but I promised to do this interview in full here. So I'm going to um, start uh, conducting the interview um, and read to you um, uh, the questions that I posed to him, the comments that I've made, and his responses. Um, like I said, if you haven't seen the, the art, um, you can catch it on his Twitter. You can catch it on my Twitter. Uh, I will post it on Potomatic.com uh, for you to see there. Um, and it's also being sold on Etsy.com. Uh, and this is a really great piece to where you have World on Fire on the top. Uh, you have a, a Daredevil in his red costume, uh, just sort of looming large over the entire poster. Uh, Daredevil across the middle of his chest, uh, a silhouette of Matt Murdock uh, uh, towards the bottom half, and you have the city in the background. And what's cool is that you have black and white on the top and you have red on the bottom uh, of the city skyline to kind of signify a world on fire. And so it was really, really great conducting this interview. He was he was a, a nice guy um, and he was really great about it. Uh, so I thank you, uh, Paul, for uh, letting me conduct the interview. Question one of what I asked him about the, the piece or uh, about what he does in general is what got you into doing these art pieces to which he said, I've been working as an artist for a few years. Most of this was street art based. A lot of the commissions I've done have been of things that I wouldn't necessarily choose to draw or paint myself, wedding pictures, families, pets, and etc. And I wasn't finding it that fulfilling. So about a year ago, I decided to start working on stuff that I knew I would enjoy doing, stuff that I would want on my own wall. I'm a massive geek and influenced by geek culture. I love the alternative poster scene that's quite big at the moment and the creativity people that get to demonstrate through it. Most of my favorite artists use pop culture as their subject matter. And so he's talking about how he kind of got into it, um, starting small, starting humble, doing things that he wasn't necessarily interested in. Um, but, um, he wanted to start doing stuff, um, that would be great, uh, on his own wall and stuff like that. And that's, you know, a lot of his answers I could relate to a lot. Like this podcast, uh, when I started it, there wasn't a whole lot of daredevil podcasts being, uh, done and, now I'm competing with uh, more than I ever uh, imagined that I would be for 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 Daredevil podcast, um, which is really great. I feel like the show has sort of garnered that um, and sort of brought that about. Um, and Daredevil is sort of getting more and more into the consciousness of a lot of people. A lot of people are starting to see how much of a badass he is. Um, and it's just really great to see a lot of people kind of um, stepping up and, and doing what they do. Question number two, what's the typical process of bringing your designs to life? I carry around a tiny little sketchbook. 
small enough to fit into my back pocket. If I'm excited about what I've decided to work on, then ideas tend to come out of nowhere when I'm least expecting it. My best ideas tend to come when I'm not really thinking about it, if that makes sense. I'll then start doing some really crude little sketches in my book in pencil or pen just to get some ideas down. They then tend to evolve a bit. Hopefully the ideas get a bit better and more refined. I'll then start trying to piece it together on my Mac once I've got a good idea down of what the end piece will look like. Start drawing out the individual components to the poster and bringing it together. I don't think you would recognize the, Dare, the Daredevil poster from my initial sketches to what it looks like today. I had some cool ideas about using Braille, but when I looked around I saw someone had already done something similar. And here is the sort of first uh, audible confrontation between Daredevil and the Kingpin. Very, very uh, significant moment in the series. Uh, this was in the trailer. Um, this was a really, really cool idea of them being able to communicate with each other. They don't communicate with each other that much, um, which I kind of like. And it makes this scene just even more uh, significant to to the show the fact that they would have this sort of interaction to where kingpin is trying to intimidate daredevil um he's trying to give him his props um he's trying to pay him his respects um but it's all it's all because he feels like daredevil will be dead in a matter of minutes um, as he has his sniper's position on the roof, ready to take him out. Um, so this is a really, really cool scene. I love it, um, absolutely. And again, you get that uh, that green and yellow shading. Um, goes really good because these guys tend to really like black, just like me. Um, but, um, but it adds some dramatic tension to uh, Daredevil being so close to having Kingpin on the other line of this walkie-talkie and not being able to touch him, not be able to locate him, not be able to get his, get his mittens on him. Um, and here's the sniper with the ace there, the ace card. Um, is this bullseye? He's a good shot. Um, and he's completely covered. His face is completely covered. So um, we'll see in future season if they reference this sniper, um, if it is bullseye or if it's just some random guy who will be nameless or who knows it'll maybe someone else who will come in to play later on down the line in future seasons question three your designs are highly stylized and quite good what are you going for when you start one of these pieces to which he said thanks very kind of you to say as I said, with stuff like this, I'm trying to produce something that fans would think is cool and that I would want on my own wall at home. With the Star Wars stuff I've done, you probably have a broader fan base. But with the Daredevil piece, I wanted to appeal to the real diehard fans. I get super nervous about putting anything out there for people to see, but everyone has been so nice about the Daredevil poster. Um, he's done one Daredevil poster, but he does a lot of Star Wars stuff. He's recently done a Jurassic Park piece, um, which is also very, uh, clever, dare I say. Um, 
and he does uh, he has a spray art style that that's really cool and the reason why I wanted to conduct an interview with him to begin with is aside from the art that you see in Daredevil comics um, his his piece is really great and every time I see it I just get a lot out of it and if this season will teach you anything it's that you know art is not furniture um, it shouldn't be something that you just are looking for it should be something that speaks to you and this was definitely a piece that spoke to me uh, the more and more I look at it the more I find really really cool things about it question number four what drew you to wanting to do a piece inspired by daredevil or the daredevil show to which he replies oh where to start firstly i'm a massive marvel fan and along with spider-man daredevil has always been one of my favorite books the frank miller daredevil man without fear series anything by brian michael bendez and more recently the mark wade run being personal favorites but then the Netflix series arrived and I just loved everything about it the entire series just resonated with me I thought it was a great I thought it was great that they were able to take real chances with this series and it was totally so different to everything else in the MCU to that point the style of the show just made me want to create something from an artistic point of view the way it was filmed and the colors they used just clicked with me and that's something that that I've addressed a lot of. He seems to to understand what's going on um, with the show. Um, and here Blake is going to go down uh, from the sniper. I know I'm jumping back and forth, but Kingpin does allude um, at, at the beginning of this episode that Blake will be dealt with later. Here it is. Here's Kingpin keeping his word. Um, he's dealing with Blake. It's in a public uh, position uh, to where, you know, the, the, it's in the public eye. No one would suspect that it was police um, shooting police or, or sniper or, uh, or, or anything like that. Um, so this would kind of be the perfect, um, perfect way for Kingpin to get that done. Um, and now he's framed Daredevil um, because Daredevil at this point is perceived as a, a type of terrorist um, and he's just going to kill mercilessly at will. Um, and now Daredevil is finding himself in a real hole um, uh, and it just keeps on getting worse and worse for him. Um, and that that influences how he... Uh, does things uh, in the later uh, episodes to where um, they say he's pickling, he's picking his uh, targets more carefully. Um, so th this is all something that has consequence uh, later on down the line. Question number five, this Daredevil piece is very different from your other ones. What were some concepts behind this design to which he answered, as I mentioned, I wanted something that the real Daredevil fans would like. That includes me. So in a way, I was creating this one for myself. Something that I would want on my own wall at home. Um, he also mentions that if you um, are able to nab uh, one of his pieces, he says it'll look cool in a nice black frame with a whiteboard. 
He also says, so I think that might have changed the way I worked a bit. Um, and this is this is very different um, from a lot of his other ones. He really went, I felt, um, with a lot of good concepts um, that worked well for Daredevil um, and not just have it be a run-of-the-mill kind of um, spray art thing or not run-of-the-mill, but maybe cookie-cutter. Um, he could have very easily done a Daredevil version of something that he did before, but he really treated Daredevil um, uh, with with specificity, and he really just um, looked at what works for this particular piece, and I think a lot shines out of that. This is for number six. I tell him, I noticed that you use the Hell's Kitchen skyline as a play on flames to illustrate a world on fire. Also placing the Daredevil logo across his chest in the absence of his traditional Double D logo. These are very clever, these are very clever design choices. To which he said, thanks, I'm so glad you noticed that about the city and the use of Hell's Kitchen. My initial idea was that the different colored sections would depict the different areas of the city and that they would play out like flames of a world on fire. That quote was something that really stood out from the series and I think it was really brave and a clever choice to only show the world through Matt's eyes once. They could have gone overboard with that effect. I was never intending on using the Daredevil logo, but I have to admit that the placement of the of the logo was a happy accident. In the previous iterations, it was more towards the bottom and then more towards the top of the poster. Neither seemed to work. Um, so we're both pointing out stuff about the poster. Um, if you kind of uh, get the themes or if you can kind of read art a little bit and what it's trying to convey, um, taking everything into account, uh, the placement of uh, words, the placement of different sections, you know, with this New York uh, Hell's Kitchen, the, the skyline uh, is represented in black and white, but the skyline is also um, uh, in red, in different shades of red, two different shades of red um, that kind of represent kind of flames and uh, it's kind of a real-world representation of a world on fire. Question number seven. What was the idea behind casting Daredevil in a darker shade? To which he answered, I've always loved the idea that Daredevil represents Matt's darker side. Also, I was trying to make it fit in with the themes of the show and the color of the poster. A lot of the action seemed to take place in the shadows, and I wanted that to be represented. I thought that with the color schemes I have adopted that a vibrant red superhero might look out of place. I tried to hint at the red, but just letting it creep in on the right where the light hits him. Throughout the series, I probably preferred the black costume more, but I did think to those who have not seen the show, maybe the black outfit on a Daredevil poster might not make sense. So I think it was a great choice there. He has the red costume, but it a lot of it is in shadow. A lot of it is in black, um, which led to this question. Question eight. One happy, one happy accident that I noticed is that the light reflection coming off of his gauntlet is vaguely reminiscent to the circles on his gloves from his yellow costume. Uh, 
Do you like the show's version of his costume? To which he answered, I can assure you that this would certainly be a happy accident. I'm a big fan, but didn't consider referencing the old yellow costume. Maybe I should just say it's a really cool Easter egg. For me, the proto Daredevil outfit worked better throughout the show. I was so sure that he would get the classic red costume maybe halfway through the series and was pleasantly surprised when they left it till the last episode. I love the more DIY look of the black outfit. It really fit with the idea of a man who was just setting out on the path he's chosen. There was something that looked a little out of place about the red one by the time it was revealed. Maybe they'll make some some alterations for season two. Me, I've been very reserved about my uh, opinion of the red costume. I plan on saving all of my, uh, or almost all my uh, opinions about the red costume for that last episode when it's revealed. Question number nine. Your overspray and mist look is very tasteful, and you're extremely reserved with any dripping or splatter. Are those intentional style choices? To which he answers, yes, that was certainly intentional. I do love splatter and paint effects, but it was a conscious decision to keep them to a minimum. Coming from a street art background and a good knowledge of spray paint, I can know how easy it. I, I know how easy it can be to get carried away with that kind of effect. Um, and so he does a lot of spray art. That's kind of the source of how he does things, but it really doesn't come off that way or too spray arty. You know, there is no drips or anything like that. Very tastefully done. Question number 10, layers, backgrounds, and foregrounds is something that is consistent with most of your pieces. Is that a part of your signature look? What did you want to accomplish with the layering in this piece? The layering thing certainly comes from my street art influences, he says. I work a lot with spray paint and stencils. That process involves putting layer upon layer to build upon your image. You start with a flat layer of color, and as you move up to the more... uh, and as you move up, the more detailed it gets. Some of that has certainly had an influence on how I put this together. For example, when I was trying to work out how the city elements would look, I guess that it would certainly be considered part of my signature look. I don't go for it intentionally, but it certainly creeps in. And here is the end of the episode. And I will stop right there, actually. Um, And I will hit you back with the other questions in the very next episode, which will be stick. So I want to thank you guys for joining me. Um, Again, follow uh, Paul Toms at T-O-M-S-Y 79. Follow me at Ultranova 05. And thanks for joining me.